Hi, um, my name is Jess and I'm nobody special. Um, I am a sinner saved by grace. Um, I love the Lord. Uh, my husband and I, um, we pastor a church. Um, he pastors, um, but I support him and um, minister alongside of him um, in, in Pennsylvania. And um, we are just on fire for the Lord and we love him and we believe in his soon return. Um, and, uh, so yeah, but the reason I'm on here today is something I have avoided for many, many years. Um, for whatever reasons, I'm not a shy person, but I just, for some reason, never, um, got around to, uh, recording this, um, about the prophetic dreams that the Lord has given me over the past, I don't know, 10 years. <laughs> um, but a lot of them starting, um, being really strong starting at uh, the end of 2011, beginning of 2012. Um, and God really put an urgency in my spirit to uh, post something on YouTube for those who are having dreams and need that confirmation that there is someone else out there that maybe have had has had the same dream that you've had um, about the Lord waking up his church and um, uh a reoccurring theme that I've seen has been the destruction of America. Um, and, uh, it's, it was terrifying to see, but it was, re it was reassuring because the Lord in every single dream that I've had, there has been a remnant where God has protected in the midst of that. And so I want to, um, I'm going to do a series of videos. This is the first one. Um, and if you have any questions, feel free, um, to ask questions or, uh, whatever but um, I just I just really want to share this and whoever it speaks to it speaks to I'm not here to argue with anybody I'm not here to do any of that I'm just simply going to tell you the dreams that I've had and um, that I know for a fact that have been from the Lord and he has confirmed that through scripture through confirmation with other brothers and sisters in Christ um, I have shared these dreams with a lot of the people around me um, so uh, so there are, there are witnesses out there that these dreams that I did have these dreams. Um, but before I get into the dreams, I want to start with a vision that I had. Um, and a vision isn't a daydream that you make up in your mind. Um, it really is something that God shows you right in front of your face. And um, I haven't had a lot of those. I've only had two in my whole life. Um, and uh, my husband and I, we've been married for going on 15 years now. Um, but when we first got married year one, um, back in 2005, um, my husband snores a, a lot, so not to put him on blast, but he does. And, um, so w one night when he was sleeping and I was next to him, I was just in the bed and I was praying and he was dead asleep, you know, snoring. And, um, he, I was just kind of talking to the Lord and I was just worshiping him and, um, right in front of my face. Um, I, at the time I lived in Philadelphia and, um, I looked up at the ceiling and the ceiling opened up. Like the best way I can describe it is like, um, or Marvel on, you know, when they kind of talk, when they show a portal opening up on the Avengers movies, um, I saw the ceiling open up that way. And above me was a clear sky, uh, a clear, dark blue, you know, sky with nothing but stars in it. And I lived in Philly at the time, so you don't see stars in Philly. It's like you see an orangish sky. It's light outside at nighttime because of all the light pollution. So 
Um, but I looked up and I saw um, a, a beautiful sky with all of these stars and there was a door in the sky and um, there wasn't anything on either side of the door. It was just this door frame. And in the door frame, there was a man and he stood there and I knew, like I knew with everything inside of me that it was Jesus. And I remember I just began to cry and I looked up there and I maybe stared up there for, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 seconds or so. And um, the man, Jesus, um, in the door frame moved forward. He took a step. And right when he took that step as if to step into, you know, out from where he was into our dimension, into our, our world, um, it closed up. And, and the ceiling, everything just closed up. And I was kind of back where I started. And um, that was the first um, real vision or prophetic dream, like the beginning of what the Lord would begin to kind of show me after that. And I, I knew it was this sense of him saying, I am coming soon. And there was this urgency that was sparked inside of me that was unquenchable. I knew every, with everything in me, I knew that Jesus was coming back. Um, and, and it was, it, <laughs> It was amazing. And I remember going around thinking like, oh my gosh, like maybe it's today, maybe it's today. And we should live like that. Like it could be at any moment now. Um, but that was the first experience I had. And then uh, flash forward to uh, 2000 and uh, the end of 2011. Um, the very first dream that I had, um, my husband and I at the time, we weren't pastoring at that time. We were actually uh, stateside missionaries working with uh, abused and orphaned children. And um, so, uh, you know, we were kind of just living our lives and, you know, we're we're living it unto the Lord. But, you know, we're kind of still stuck in the culture, you know. Um, and then for about two weeks straight, almost every single night, every now and then it would skip a night, but almost every single night, I began to have dreams about whirlwinds that were coming, this sense of total destruction um, that was coming. And I knew like in the dream, I understood that there, this was judgment and it was a far off. And with almost every dream, those whirlwinds started to look like they were getting closer and closer and closer. And I began to tell my husband when I would, you know, wake up and say, babe, you know, I had this dream and, you know, and he would just say, you know, write it down, write it down. And so it, it, it was, it was almost like torture, not, and I don't mean that in like a, a demonic sense or anything like that. It just, it wouldn't stop. And I remember just praying and saying, Lord, what are you saying? Um, and so those dreams continued. And then, um, the very first, the one that gave the most clarity came a few months later, um, in 2012. And, um, that was the first dream that I had where the Lord was saying, prepare. And, um, and it, it was, so I'm going to read it because that's just the easiest way for, for me to get through it. But the dream was very intense. Um, we were where we were working in a cottage with, uh, with the orphan children. That's where the dream took place. And I was standing at the back door and I was terrified because I saw fire coming down from the sky. And to my amazement, there were, there was like lava and volcanoes erupting around us. And I remember having this feeling this sense of sudden destruction coming upon us. And then there was a voice that came from the heavens that said, prepare. 
my husband and I then began to go through trying to gather food, meds, um, as well as trying to find water sources and things of that nature. And I remember feeling that there was not enough time. We needed so many supplies and we simply didn't have what we needed where we were. And so I knew I had to go out the house and then suddenly I was literally picked up and I was placed down in a grocery store that had a pharmacy and people were fighting each other over food. People were hurting each other over medicine. And my daughter is actually a uh, type one diabetic. And so um, insulin is really important to us just for her to live. Um, so in the dream, I understood how important medicine was. Um, and I remember it got so bad that someone actually uh, got shot at a pharmacy. And I remember in the dream thinking that I don't want to get supplies this way. Um, it's, it's, it's not worth it. And in an instant, I was back to our home where we live with the kids. And I looked at my husband and we both said to each other, um, there's just not enough time. And then a voice came from heaven and it said, this is a test. This is just a test. And then I woke up. And so when I woke up, I was just, I, I was sweating. It, it was such, when you have dreams like this, this is not the type of dream where, you know, it's fuzzy and you're just like, oh, I ate something bad last night. This is like when you're in dreams like this, when God gives you dreams, you are there. It doesn't feel like a dream. You are literally there. So when you wake up, you're just like, you know, I was in reality just a second ago and now okay, let me get myself together. And you know for a fact that God is speaking to you. So I remember when I woke up, I got up, I went out on, on the back deck um, because I really thought that it was happening. And when I finally calmed down enough and got some air outside, I went back inside the house, put some water on my face and then laid back down and went to sleep. As soon as I laid on that pillow, that dream started all over again. Um, and this time when it started over again, I understood that I had just been here before and I knew what was getting ready to happen. And so it's almost as if it was just like I had already had a word from the Lord saying this is what's getting ready to happen. So before things got crazy, I looked at my husband and I said, we need to prepare now. And so we began to start preparing all over again, doing everything that we did before, but we did it earlier. And, um, you know, and things were so crazy. The world was falling apart there. You know, all of a sudden there was there was just no food in, um, on the grocery store shelves. Um, and so we were getting stuff together. But by the end of the dream, I remember feeling somewhat defeated because even with that head start, I still felt like I didn't have enough time to prepare. So then the dream stopped and I woke up again. And at this point, I remember just feeling a sense. I, I remember feeling tormented with the sense of you need to prepare something is coming. Um, and so that was the first, um, I want to say like the first of a series of dreams that I had. And that was, um, in the beginning of 2012. Um, and I mean, like I, I have pages and pages of dreams here and I'm not going to go through all in this video. Um, but I wanted to share this with you so that, um, as just as an introduction, because, um, God, gave me these dreams and I know that the hour is late and God is calling his people to wake up. You know, we're in the middle of um, this whole COVID-19 thing and no matter where you stand on it, you know, you have people in the church arguing about, you know, should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? Should churches be open? Should churches be closed? At the end of the day, we need to look at the word of God. We have a mandate to stand 
and preach the word. That's why we're here. Otherwise, we could have been taken. The moment you got saved, you could have been out of here in glory, okay? Or there's nothing to stop a, a car or something like that from hitting you because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Our whole point is trying to get to him. That's why, I mean, Paul was weary on this earth because he wanted to get to Jesus. He's like, listen, I'm here for y'all and I'll stay a little bit longer, but I'm trying to get to Jesus. And that's the attitude we're supposed to have. Um, so if we're not going to preach the gospel, if we're not going to teach the word, then what are we even here for? And it is going to get worse. It is going to get worse. And, and I'm not saying COVID-19 is going to get worse. I'm saying everything in general is going to get worse. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me that it's going to get worse. And we look in the word, we see that these are the beginning of birth pains. Okay. We see that, you know, nation will, fall, will rise against nation. That's not talking about countries there. That's talking about racial tension. We're talking about nations. We're talking about racial issues there. That's what that word means there. When we talk about kingdom against kingdom, there's earthquake, the weather's crazy, all kinds of things, pestilence, pestilence, you know, storms, all kinds of stuff that's going to be happening. And it's not one of those things happening. It's all of them happening as birth pains converging and, and increasing in intensity and in frequency. So that's where we are right now. And if the church doesn't wake up, we're going to miss it. And I believe with everything inside of me right now that we are in the age of, of Laodicea. We're in that church where Jesus is like, listen, if I'm on the outside knocking and I'm telling you to wake up and if you don't, I'm going to spit you out my mouth. And that's where we are. And, and I don't believe that we can lose our salvation or anything like that. But I think we need to really, a lot of people in the church need to ask themselves, are you even saved? Because we see in the word where he says, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never even knew you. And that's terrifying because these people are standing before Christ saying, we cast out demons in your name. We did this in your name. So these are people who believe with everything in them that they are saved. Yet Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. So the question that we have to ask is, what are we doing here? What's the whole point? Are we building kingdoms unto ourselves? Are we celebrating and preaching the gospel of the culture? Are we preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we afraid to give the truth because it's going to offend somebody? Or are we going to give the truth without compromise because we understand that, yes, it might offend you, but this offense is saving your life. It's time to wake up, church. If this COVID-19 thing passes, which it very well may, but I guarantee you if it passes, something worse is coming. But whatever the case is, if any church goes back to where they were before, shame on us, especially in the church in America. There are more dreams to come that I want to share with you um, where I have seen the destruction of this country. I've seen bombs go off. I've seen all kinds of things um, in the dreams that I've had. So I'm going to get ready to post that next video. I just don't want this one to be way too long because I know that people can just kind of like be like, I, I can't take anymore. So, so I'm going to stop this one um, and then I'll post the next one um, about, you know, some of the dreams I've had, um, just seeing the destruction of this country, but also seeing God protect his church in the midst of it. Um, so I'll get back to you and God bless. Recently, um, in November of last year of 2019, um, I had a dream and, um, there are many witnesses for these dreams because I always share them with those who are around me. But in this dream, I saw a, uh, um, there was a house and, um, and I've had, this house has been in my dream multiple times. It's always called my father's house and it represents the church. Um, and so, um, this house that I always, uh, refer to as my father's house, um, the father God, meaning father God, um, 
this house was um, filled with all kinds of filth that had been coming in and um, people were going in and out of this house and they were supposed to be keeping it holy and they weren't and they were letting just filth inside and I saw um, just you know fornication sodomy all kinds of stuff that was just going on um, in this home and um, just lewdness uh, crude crude talk and um, it was just it was foolishness that was happening um, if this is supposed to be the house of God and um, this uh, man who represent I knew represented the father and I really couldn't see his face he kind of stood at the top of the stairs and he said I'm no longer going to um, allow you to bring this into my house and um, the people kind of you know that were there were saying oh you know we love you we love you you know it's okay it's okay you know we're not going to do it anymore and you know but they were still doing it he, he had he was continuing to say this I'm no longer going to allow you to bring this into my house and um it's like they didn't believe him and uh you know they just kind of kept coming back and forth and then all of a sudden i looked over at the counter in this house and there were all these um like you know smoked meats all over the counters and the the people were kind of going out and doing their dirt but then they would put this you know tray of you know whatever kind of uh meat it was on the counter like here you go you know i'm gonna still do my dirt but here you go take this and the father said i no longer i will no longer receive your sacrifices they are offense to me and um he took off his belt and he held it in his hand and he said it is time for judgment and when he said that um that house began to fill up with water just like i mean like you're pouring it in a glass, it began to fill up with water. And then I heard the, again, just echoing through the water, judgment. And then I woke up. Um, so judgment starts in the house of the Lord. And um, so I, I just think that this is the time for us um, to consecrate ourselves before the Lord. And I'm not just speaking to you. These are the things that God has said to me, consecrate yourself, you know, get right with the Lord. You know, if he's telling you not to touch something, stop touching it. Um, if he's telling you, Hey, you know what? I don't want you watching Netflix anymore. I don't want you watching this. Cut it, cut it. Cause we are called to be holy. And we do a lot of stuff in the church. We have just accepted it as if, Oh, well, well it's the culture. So it's okay. It's okay to watch, you know, that show. It's okay to watch, you know, I don't even, I don't really watch TV anymore. So I don't really know a lot of the stuff that's on, but you know, I remember I had friends that were saved and they were watching, you know, um, how to get away with murder or Game of Thrones. And I'm like, you, you can't, you can't watch that stuff. You can't put that stuff in you like that. You are defiling the temple of the Lord. And, um, you know, this is, you know, and, and you'll have people say, well, you know, you got to live too, you know, and it's just like, no, we are supposed to be sojourners. We are supposed to be in this world, but not of this world. We're supposed to be people that are peculiar people. People should look at us and be like, there is something different about them. How does this person have joy? How does this person have, you know, this abundance of faith in the midst of this chaotic circumstance? How is that possible? Why? Because they've been with Jesus. If you spend time with Jesus, if you spend time in his word, if you would let him to allow him to change you from the inside, then you are going to look different. You are going to talk different. You know, I have a friend and she has this 
um, she, she's from the South and she has this accent. And so, you know, the Southern Georgia accent. And whenever I'm around her, sometimes all of a sudden I find, you know, my speech, you know, starting to have a little bit of a draw because I'm around her so much, you know, you begin to sound like the people that you are around. And so the main person we should be sounding like is Jesus, period. Um, so I just, I just want to encourage y'all like this is the time wake up. He is standing at the door and knocking. We read that in the church of Laodicea in Revelation. The thing that's so sad about that. And if we, if we really look at that book, it really describes what we are in the church age right now. That last church age before the rapture, he's standing on the outside knocking saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's not to the unbeliever. That's to the actual believer. Jesus is on the outside of the church. That's, that's crazy. It's crazy. But that's exactly what's happening. And he's knocking. He's saying, let me in. And when we look at the American church, that is what we are seeing. We are seeing Christ on the outside. I'm not talking about every single church. You always have, God always has a remnant. We see that. We see that in with Elijah, where Elijah's like, you know, going crazy and he's you know, all sad after the amazing thing that happened with, you know, the, you know, the sacrifices and, you know, he ends up retreating because Jezebel's trying to kill him and he's, he's going crazy. And the Lord's like, get up, you know, and Elijah's like, I'm the only one left. And he's like, I always have a remnant. God tells Elijah, I always have a remnant in the land. So that's the case now, even what we're seeing in our country, God always has a remnant of people that are like, you know what? I hear the voice of the Lord. I hear my master. And these are people that will not bow down. But in general, when we look at this country, when we look at America and we look at the church in America, we are not being the salt. We are not being the light. Why have, has this country gotten so bad? It's because the church has not spoken up. We've kept our mouth shut because it's, you know, we don't want to offend anybody. We want to be open and affirming. We want to be all these things. And it's like, listen, we need to be loving. That's what we need to be doing. And how do you love? With the truth. You love with the truth. If I see you walking off a cliff, if I see you getting ready to, to, to take a dive, then I love you by grabbing you and pulling you back. That's how I love you. I don't love you by saying, oh, you know, you know, if that's what you want to do, you know, it's okay. I don't want to offend you. No, I don't care if I offend you. I don't care if I offend you because if I keep you from falling, then praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If I keep you from, if I offend you into the faith, then praise the Lord. Because the gospel is offensive. The, the word cuts and it hurts. But that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to cut off that foolishness. And here we got the church going wild in our country acting a plum fool because we have allowed all this foolishness all of the world to creep in. And God is not pleased. He will not accept our sacrifices. We need to get right with God. We need to wake up. Stay tuned for more dreams. I will be posting um, I just, I pray for all of you guys who are, are watching that you would, um, you would take this to the Lord and you would pray. Um, if I offend you, I'm sorry. Um, but take it up with God because he's, he's pressed on my heart to share this. But seriously, I, I really do pray for you, pray for your family, that God would give you, um, a, a fresh feeling of his spirit and that you would do what the church, you know, with the first, uh, uh, apostles did in the church when they got filled they they spoke boldly they they spoke without compromise they gave the word so may the lord bless you bless your house may he keep you and may he fill you up with a boldness that is unshakable in this dark time i love you guys and um, stay tuned for more videos bye 
Hey guys, this is Jess. I said I would be back to record the rest of the dreams that um, I had. And these are dreams that I've seen the fall of this country. I've seen the judgment of the church um, and a strong warning for God's people to wake up and be prepared. I'm going to just jump right in. Um, these two dreams I'm going to talk to you about today are really, I believe, talking about the destruction of this country. Um, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start. So the first dream I had, um, I called it falling missile and I had that dream early spring of 2012. And in that dream, um, I looked up in the sky and I saw a bomb, a missile, um, coming from somewhere else but getting ready to fall on the united states and immediately in the dream i said to the lord i said lord who did this and right when i said that a huge bomb appeared right next to me and it was just sitting there and on the bomb it said usa under a picture of the united states flag um i understood at that moment that the united states um had sinned and our sin had found us out and god gave me confirmation on that um, you know, a week later when I had been praying and fasting to confirm that confirmation, your sins have found you out um, and you've been uh, weighed in the balance and found wanting. And uh, much like Sodom and Gomorrah, I got that sense that this is what the judgment was. So um, then the bomb disappeared from next to me and I looked back up and it was still falling and it was falling slow enough um, for me to see it. But for things to still be done while we were watching it fall and um, immediately there was this voice that said, wake the children. And so my husband and I began to we were we found ourselves in a hallway that was very long and there were doors on each side and we began to go into the doors and open them up. And there were people who were sleeping. We just began to wake them up. And, um, you know, some of them. Uh, some of the people we woke up, I remember their faces were people that I had actually in real life led to the Lord um, years prior. And then there were people who I did not know them at all, um, but we were waking them up nonetheless. And once we woke everyone up, we gathered them and my husband took out the Bible and began to preach and teach the word and to remind them of their blessed hope. Um, and while that was happening, I was picked up to see what was going on in the world. And I was in a mall and... I remember people just saying things like, you know, now's the time to go back to school. I'm doing me. You know, they just had no sense of the danger that was coming. They were so focused on their lives and what they were doing and what they wanted and their plans that they could not see the missile falling. And even as I was telling them, they couldn't hear me. Um, and then I got picked up from there and put back with my husband. And um, at this point, the missile was very close. And um, we looked at each other and I said, babe, I'll see you in a second. And he smiled at me. And then it was a big flash and I woke up. And that was that dream. And um, at the time, we weren't even thinking about um, church planning. We had been praying about starting a Bible study. Um, but, you know, I had no idea that, you know, um, my husband would be a pastor. And um, so I think it's really interesting because we pastor a church now and, you know, he's the lead pastor. And um, and here we are, you know, waking people up and God telling us, you know, get this message out and um, while we're giving them the word of God. So I just think that's really interesting because this dream was in 2012. The second dream I want to just jump right in because I don't want this to be a 20 minute video um, is a dream that I had called the dream of the two houses. And this is a dream that I had um, in the summer, late summer of 2012. And um, this dream was just really interesting to me. But um, basically the dream, um, there were two houses in the whole world. 
<laughs> of everywhere that you can go, there were only two houses and um, they were sitting side by side. And the house on the left was called the other house and the house on the right was called my father's house and this was the house where the saints lived the people of god lived and the other house was the house of the world and um and then there was a river um, right in front of those houses and across that river there was a huge mountain and at the base of that mountain it was a huge sleeping bear so um, the people from my father's house, they knew that they were not supposed to dwell in the other house. We had to go every day to get supplies and things like that from the other house because that's where you had to get those things. But we weren't supposed to dwell there. So things like food, clothing, um, things like that, we would go and get that from the other house, but we weren't supposed to dwell in the other house. But what I understood when the dream started was that um, the people from my father's house had started to dwell in the other house. And so therefore, my father's house was looking unkept. And the security door on my father's house was not very secure, it was broken. And I remember just kind of when you first came into my father's house, it kind of looked just as dingy as the other house. And there was starting to be filth and things like that in my father's house. The other house was just ridiculous. Um, it was the world. So I remember seeing, you know, adultery, fornication, sodomy, just hatred. There was so much hatred in the other house. There was just this absence of love. I remember seeing these people who looked really wise in their own eyes. They were like college professors. Um, but they were teaching foolishness. And I remember them hating God and hating creation. Um, and so that was really the atmosphere of the other house. It, you know, on some places, it almost looked like a huge party with a lot of sexual stuff going on. It was just, it was just really filthy and um, just degrading. And so um, that was the atmosphere there. And so anyway, one day, the people from my father's house went on a routine run um, to the other house to get supplies and I was with them and before we went in I just happened to look across at um, the river at the mountain and the bear and so um, I looked across and this bear had been sleeping forever and you know as long as I can remember anyway in the dream and the moment I looked at him he opened his eyes and I went <gasps> you know and I looked at the other people who were with me and I said guys that bear just opened his eyes and I remember someone who was standing, who was with us, who really wanted to get into the other house because he had been dwelling there. So he said, he looked at me, he said, that bear has been asleep for as long as I can remember. It will take a miracle for it to open its eyes. And then he ran into the other house. And I looked across again. And at this point, um, when I looked, the bear was not only opening his eyes, but he stood up. He was huge. And I said, the bear just stood up. And another person from the group from my father's house um, looked at me and said, that bear has been sleeping forever. If he ever somehow got the strength to stand up, um, I'm sorry, if he ever got the strength to open his eyes, it would take a miracle for him to stand up. And then he ran into the other house. Um, I looked across again and the bear was not just standing. He was stomping the ground. Now he was growling and he was foaming at the mouth and looking right at us. And I looked at them and I said, that bear is getting ready to attack. And again, another person um, from the group looked at me and he said, 
that bear has been sleeping forever. It would take a miracle for him to stand up. And if he stood up, it would take a miracle for him to have the strength to attack us. It would take years for that to happen. He said, we're fine. And then he went and ran into the house. And then I looked over again and now the bear was charging. And I yelled out at the top of my lungs, the bear is attacking. Now, I remember in the dream thinking, we got a little bit of time because there's a river there. But I remember that bear like almost walked, just stepped across to the river. It was like no obstacle at all. So we ran back to my father's house. And by the time we got on the steps of my father's house, the bear was already devouring the people of the other house. So we ran in, we closed the door behind us and this man appeared and um, I could tell that he was holy. Um, it, I, I remember thinking he was an angel um, and he looked at us and he said, you have to go higher. You have to go higher. Go to the highest floor of the furthest corner of the house. And um, we were not going to argue with him because that bear was coming. And I remember he disappeared. And I looked at this woman who was on the first floor and I said, we got to go. We got to go. And she said, no, I'll be fine here. It took me my whole life to build this. You know, she had a room on that first floor. She took my whole life to build this room. I'll be fine. And I remember thinking, you're not going to be okay. And as much as I tried to argue with her, she was like, no, I built this with my own hands. I'll be okay. I can't let go. So we just left and we began to run upstairs. And as we began to go up, I remember hearing the bear burst through um, that security door that had been unkept in my father's house. And I remember hearing her scream and I knew that what she had done with her own hands was not going to keep her. It wasn't good enough. And she was devoured. So we began to keep going up. And as we got halfway um, we were just weary and the man appeared again and he said, go higher. You have to go higher. And he encouraged us to keep going. And then when we finally got there, um, there was a room there in the furthest corner of the house in the highest uh, floor. And um, in front of the room, there was like a curtain or a veil and the man appeared and he kind of just pulled the curtain back and he said, enter in. And I remember thinking, how is this veil going to keep us? This bear just bursted through steel and iron. How is this curtain going to keep us? But I wasn't going to argue with him. Um, but I remember thinking that in my mind. And we went in and the room didn't look comfortable. There were all kinds of like sharp object, objects in it. It definitely wasn't a comfortable room. That upper room was very uncomfortable. But we were, he told us to go in. And um, then he looked at me and he said, you must watch, you must wait, and you must not fall asleep. I'm sorry. He said, you must watch, you must pray, and you must not fall asleep. And, um, and then I remember he looked at me again and he said, you must watch, you must pray, and you must not fall asleep. And so then he closed the veil. And um, then the, as soon as he closed the veil, the bear was there. And he was, we saw him kind of like going back and forth, um, sniffing, um, at the bottom of that curtain and he couldn't he couldn't find us it was you know it was amazing I remember thinking somehow this veil is hiding us and um, the bear eventually just got tired and frustrated and he left um, and then after he left the man appeared again and he opened the veil and he said you know um, he kind of gave his hand for us to come out and um, I grabbed his hand and he helped me up and I looked down and there was a guy who had been sitting next to me when we were in that upper room. And I remember that guy was just complaining a lot. He was really scared. He was kind of just like all over the place. And, um, and then eventually he fell asleep. 
And um, so when I look down at him now, he was all ashes, his whole body. He was like a statue of ash in the position that he was in when he fell asleep. And I looked at the man and I was just like, what happened to him? And I was kind of shaken up by it. And he looked at me and he said, this is what happens to those who fall asleep. And my eyes kind of got really big. And then I woke up. And that was that dream. So um, those were, you know, I had many other dreams where I saw destruction come into this country. And um, but those are the main two. Um, what was really interesting about um, a lot of these dreams is that I wouldn't just have them the one time. I would end up having the same dream, you know, on several nights for like weeks straight. Um, and it was just, it, it was really intense. And so God was clearly speaking. So I just want to encourage you guys to, you know, take these dreams to prayer. If the Lord is asking you to do something, if God is requiring something, something of you, don't be like that lady on the first floor where you're unwilling to let go of the work of your own hands. We are entering a time where God is going to start requiring obedience of his people or they're just not going to make it and so i think that um we need to be this is a time that we need to be in prayer we need to be in consecration we need to be in our word and hearing the voice of the lord um you know i know a lot of us have dreams we live in a very self-centered culture where people are like i'm doing me you know i gotta do me and you know i have dreams i have aspirations and I'm not against your dreams. I'm not against your aspirations, but the time is short and we are in a time where we should have an urgency to pull all things aside and to say, Lord, what would you have of me? What is your will? Not, I don't want you to fulfill my will. I want to be in your perfect will, Lord. So please, brothers and sisters, take this to prayer and it's time for us to get serious with the Lord. It's time for immediate obedience to the Lord. So I love y'all. More dreams will be coming and be encouraged and stay close to Jesus. Bye. Hey guys, um, just wanted to get another dream out. Um, my goal is to get all these up within the next three days. Um, just because, but it's a lot. So I'm definitely not going to be able to post all of them. Um, I just think that would be too much. Um, but I'm definitely going to um, post the ones I think that are the most important. Um, and some of them are just really repeats of other dreams. So um, there's a lot of overlap going on. Um, but this dream that I'm going to share is one of the more recent ones um, that God has given me. And um, I just had a couple brothers and sisters saying, you really need to share this. And um, I had this dream in February of this year, February 2nd, actually, of this year. And um, which is really crazy because it was before the whole Corona thing happened. Um, but I think it's definitely um, worth sharing and hopefully it, someone may have more interpretation on it. Um, but this dream, I remember when the dream started, I understood that things had changed very quickly in the United States. And we were preparing for a society without power, food, or resources. Um, I remember in that dream, um, we were trying to gather supplies and that was just something that we felt that we needed to do was gather supplies, um, not just for ourselves, but to minister to others. And, um, and as we were gathering these supplies, I remember I was picked up, me, my husband and I were both kind of picked up and put in a, um, church, um, of someone that we knew. And um, in this church, there was a pastor there and he was um, he was 
cleaning uh, this red carpet that they had in, in the church and uh, there were cobwebs all over it. And I remember he looked at us and he said, you know, can you help me? And we were saying, and the church was empty. Um, the, the church was completely empty. And I remember he said, can you help me? Um, as he was, you know, trying to get things together in this empty church and there were all these cobwebs. And I remember we looked at him, we said, there's no one here. Um, we have to go back cause we have to, you know, teach the word and we have to feed people. And he said, no, you know, just help me with this. And I remember we were saying, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna stay here doing nothing in the, in an empty, you know, building, um, with these cobwebs, we're actually going to go out there with the people and we're going to minister to them. Um, and we, we said, we love you, but we, we just can't do this. And, um, so then we kind of went back, um, to kind of gathering food and, um, you know, just gathering, uh, water, um, tools, things like that, because we just understood that something was coming. And then, um, out of nowhere, I was taken to this weird bunker, um, where the scientists were there and there was this prototype, you know, um, superhuman type being that was laced with like biotech and genetic engineering. Um, and it was sitting there on this table and it almost looked like the perfect man, you know, if you can imagine just like a, you know, if you watch Star Trek or something like that, you know, um, I'm kind of a Trekkie. Um, but, you know, when they kind of would show these episodes with these perfect, you know, uh, beings, whatever, it kind of was like that. And it was sitting on the table as these um, these scientists were around it. And then um, this like man of kind of light appeared and I couldn't see his face, but he appeared in a doorway and he was looking at this um, being that was sitting there with all these scientists around it. And the being looked over to him and he said, Father, and the man of light just yelled abomination and like threw him across the room just with a wave of his hand um, and rejected uh, whatever this human being, you know, genetically engineered man was, that man of light, who I believe was God, um, rejected this, um, this creation. Um, and then I kind of was taken out of there and I was back with everyone else. And then for some reason, we all like began to count down. We understood that we, it's almost as if we were counting down you know, like for the ball drop um, on New Year's, but we were counting down for for a bomb to hit. Um, just we knew it was getting ready to happen and we were just holding hands. And um, then it didn't happen. And then I remember when we walked again and it, when we walked away, we got up because it didn't happen. It was like, this was a test, but the real thing is coming. Get prepared. And then I woke up. So um, that was a dream. Just thought I'd share it with you. Um, and, um, I just, I really believe it. a lot of stuff is going on right now. When you look at what's going on in the world, you see a system being formed right now that, um, is a new world order. Um, you know, where they're pushing a cashless society, they're pushing a system, you know, where you can't buy or sell unless you fit into the system they've created. They're pus pushing a godless system, a system of hate speech. If you if you mention the name of Christ or if you mention anything in the Bible that convicts men of their sin, um, this this is what is being propagated right now. 
Um, and I'm one that per personally believes that, you know, the mark of the beast, um, one, we're not going to be here for it if you are saved. But um, I, I believe that I believe the rapture will happen before that, um, that we're gone before the man of sin, uh, man of sin is revealed. Um, but nonetheless, um, I believe that the mark of the beast is um, most likely going to be genetic engineering of some kind where, you know, you are changed, you are no longer redeemable because you're not human anymore and um that sounds probably crazy to a lot of people but it's not very far-fetched when you look at it when you look in the days of noah there was some weird genetic stuff going on then in the days of of um of noah before the flood and it kind of you know the bible says as it was in the days of noah it will be in these last days um and right now what are they doing they're looking for ways to genetically engineer man to make him the perfect man and six is a six is the number of man and three is the number of perfection six 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 the perfect man um and man perfected and i believe that's always been the case man has tried to get to eternal life without god and i believe that will be the mark of the beast that man will somehow reverse um the the curse in a sense um but not really the curse will still be there but somehow he will um, allow himself to be bigger stronger live you know forever in a sense and he will be rejected by god so i could be wrong but that's what i tend to believe um but either way the point is we're going towards that and um and i think it's just we need to be walkers on the wall we need to be vigilant and we need to be prepared so um, hope that this dream blesses you. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to ask and I look forward to talking to you guys. All right. Bye.